So yeah, I'd say getting your kids out of public schools would be a really good step into keeping them out of foreign lands yes. voluntarily. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, however, you know, this is kind of where I, I kind of, uh, I guess, hit like a wall where it's like, yeah, you keep your kids out of the school, keep them out of the military for sure. On the other hand, um, Uncle Sam's going to get his, you know. Yeah. One way or another. One way or another, yeah. Signing up for the selective service is signing up for slavery. Yes. So. Wow. Yeah. Transmitting directly from the launch pad. Bringing blue collar to your cell tower. The rock and roll libertarian himself. It's time to blast off with Johnny Rocket. Hey, this is Blast Off with Johnny Rocket, and I'm here with my Ray Truth, Miss Rayleigh Lightheart. Hey, Johnny, what's up? Ah, nothing much. You know, I just spent a week in Flagstaff, Arizona, mm-hmm. and um, I'll tell you, it doesn't feel like Arizona. It's like another state. It's wow. Really, yeah, it's weird. It's like there's tree. There's no like cactuses and desert. It's like up in the mountains, sort of. The elevation's like seven thousand feet, whatever. But it's cold. Is it a little as, bit more like Washington. It does. It kind of reminded me of like like a douchebaggy Colorado, like <laughs> just a bunch of <laughs> rich yuppies and rich liberals, and the, you know everyone's wearing their little coat. And there's a college town, NAU. The little coat. A little the coat. Little one. Like a little coat. Uh, they're about like, you know, it's like 30 degrees there. I mean, it's not terrible, but again, it's cold as I mean, I'm in, it, like right now, it's like 70, 60 degrees And Yeah, November. you were actually messaging me about how cold you were. And I was like, oh, that sounds pretty cold, actually. It uh, is. I don't like being cold. I don't like it either. It's like sucks. And you wake up in the morning, there's ice all over your windshield. You're like, I'm in Arizona. Like, what the but again, surprise, surprise, but it didn't feel like Arizona. It felt like a lot of swearing today, Johnny. You're on one, huh? I don't know. I, I'm not trying to, but uh, I don't know. Maybe I just have a bad mouth. Maybe I'm just pissed <laughs> off because I was a just a bad boy staff. with a bad mouth. Yeah, that's right. That's right. So, Raylene, <laughs> if you want to stop the wars, challenge the empire and deal with the local crisis, then support anti-war soldiers and veterans. Soldiers and veterans carry special knowledge. Sometimes that knowledge starts with the gut-wrenching realization that they have fought, suffered, killed, and died in vain, or worse. It's, it's, it's hard not to hear the echoes of anti-war Vietnam veterans in the world in the words of today's war veterans. High-stakes betrayal teaches some mighty hard lessons. What we understand as an endless war, occupation, and empire building, they know through personal experience. And that personal experience of America's wars has forced many of the anti-war leaders to undergo a personal and political transformation. From warriors to peacemakers, from waging war to waging peace, from status to anarchists and veterans to voluntarists. Jordan Johnson joins us today from Iowa, and he's one of the three hosts of Veterans for Voluntarism, an Army veteran of eight years. Serving time in the infantry, he has deployed to Afghanistan in 2010 and saw numerous fallacies involving our overreaching foreign policy. During his tenure in field artillery and finally recruiting, he witnessed the bureaucratic waste and inefficiency of the federal government and gave up his military career. Today, he lives a peaceful life with his wife of 10 years and his loyal Labrador, Khaleesi, while dedicating his life to Jesus and liberty. Okay, Raylene, prepare for liftoff. 
Copy that, Johnny. Covers, tie-downs, and grounding cables. Removed as required. Communications connected. Check. Preamps in the green. Check. Cold bear. Double check. Dusters are hot. Raylene, are you ready to rock? All systems go, Johnny. Let's blast off with Jordan Johnson! Yeah, thanks for having me, man. This is, uh, honestly, it's truly an honor. Awesome, awesome, man. So tell us about your podcast, Volunt- Veterans for Voluntarism, and, you know, the other guys that do the show with you. Because, I mean, they have to, you know, we got to spotlight the other guys who started this with you. Yeah, so uh, originally I started it with um, one of my friends who's a Marine Corps veteran. Um, we were libertarians, I guess, for quite a while. And we'd always had conversations late into the night, you know, early morning and decided, hey, you know, it'd probably be beneficial if somebody else could listen to these conversations, too. Mm-hmm. Uh, but like at the time, it was uh, is really is really strange because we didn't know a whole lot of like people that had served and thought the same way that we did. So we, like we thought we were totally alone, you know. Yeah. Um, so we're like, all right, well, let's start a veteran uh, libertarian type podcast. And we're both anarcho-capitalists. So, mm-hmm. uh, just to get that out there and ironically that I'm doing this show now, um, one of the largest influences was this show. Really? And yeah. So wow. like to us, it was like totally inaccessible. Like, oh, we need to have like degrees in sound engineering or whatever to get this at a reasonable quality. Mm-hmm. Um, but I heard one day I was mowing the lawn and I was listening to your show and you had a sponsor anchor FM <laughs> Yeah, and I was, so I got, Got the app on the phone, did like a 30-minute rant, sent it to my buddy Dane. He's like, well, you know, we could actually do something like this. So um, over the course of time, we just kind of launched it off. So like, did you guys have like, so was it the military that actually caused you to become libertarians? Because that's the case normally, you know, like most people are like, God damn, sucks. We're seeing all unnecessary war, fraud, waste, Mm -hmm. and abuse. I mean, was that one of the, you know, reasons why you got involved or kind of sparked an interest in the ideas of liberty? Uh, yeah, definitely. So uh, before I enlisted, I was, I guess, relatively agnostic towards politics or anything, I guess, economically or whatever. And but I always kind of knew that the war in Iraq was bolt was, you know, BS. Right. So, like, I, I didn't agree with that. But, you know, 9-11 happened and. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was like, well, you know, maybe we're justified being in Afghanistan. So I signed up the Army Infantry, so door kickers and trigger pullers. Um, <laughs> yeah. So I went yeah. Did, did that about, I think it was my second year in, ended up in one of the worst parts of Afghanistan. My platoon itself didn't see all that much combat, you know, it was a little bit, um, enough to, I guess, disenfranchise somebody. Mm-hmm. But the guys in the AOs around us. Area of operations. Hit. Area of operations for you civilians out there. Yeah, go ahead. Thank yeah. you. Thank you. <laughs> I'll, I'll try to keep the dragon to a minimum. But <laughs> uh, yeah, so they were getting hit like every single day. And we lost a pretty good friend over there, which was disheartening to say the least. But um, what I did see over there was, I guess what floored me was the total resentment that the locals had 
with us. Mm-hmm. I mean, for oh. the most part, you know, we kind of kept them happy. We we weren't the guys that were burning down their their marijuana fields or anything like that. We kind of let them keep all that stuff, okay. which is a totally totalitarian opinion, right? <laughs> we let you keep your stuff. Um, so we kind of kept them happy, and they kind of kept the Taliban away from us. But there were certain parts where they absolutely hated us, and I couldn't figure out why. I was like, you know, we're over here trying to do good is what we were kind of thinking. Mm-hmm. And they hated us for the most part, and they certainly don't want troops in their country. So mm-hmm. I kind of started thinking towards, like, you know, in their perspective, like, what if this happened in America? You know, I would be, being that I was, I, I felt like called to go enlist and go fight and get revenge for 9-11. If that happened in America, I would probably enlist into the insurgency, you know. That's right. Mm-hmm. So. That's a great point. I mean, like, yeah, if China, if Russia or China just started, like, coming in and start blowing up we'd be like you dude you know we're gonna defend our country and we have every right to or our land or our property i'm with you 100 percent. so ron paul was extremely influential with veterans who made up a large part of the ron paul revolution in your opinion how do we reach active military now is it a personality or a philosophy that you think will make the most impact yeah i think it's mostly a societal thing, I guess, like we kind of as anarchists, libertarians, uh, Austrian economists, whatever, sort of have like like a purity test, you know, yeah. so like, oh, well, they went over there and fought in the name of tyranny. So why should we accept them into our group? Mm-hmm. And it's like, well, you know, I totally do understand that. And that was the sentiment for a very long time. Now there's all sorts of like libertarian and cap podcasts out there. But I guess to reach out to them, definitely just to be accepting mm-hmm. and willing to uh hear their opinion because they are very much institutionalized. Yeah. Uh, They, you know, definitely are not on the side of no government privatize everything like I am. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. Yeah. Right. You know, any push (laughs) towards any kind of direction of liberty with them would shift them at least into the right direction. Well, what is the largest hurdle for veterans to get to the ideas of libertarianism? Not just like uh, conservatism, conservatism, excuse me. How do we get them to get over the hurdle of the two-party thinking? I guess the biggest thing would be, uh, so like in the veteran mindset, especially people have deployed and seen action and, you know, killed people. Yeah. Um, the biggest thing would be, you know, they kind of hide their guilt with their political affiliation, whether it's conservatives or liberals. I've met a lot of liberals in the military, surprisingly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so it really is just having them get over the status mindset that, hey, you're not guilty. For the most part, you were brainwashed into thinking you were doing the right thing because nobody right. joins the military. I mean, well, I shouldn't say nobody, but very few join the military to go over and kill people for no reason at all. That's right. Yeah, you know, that's right. For the most part, they for don't the like any. Right. There's some yeah. crazy out there. And yeah, they, they want to kill people. That's their no, that's, they, that's They could their just thing. be cops. It's one or the other, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like psychos. Yep. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, and yeah. it kind of goes back to that whole point. I mean, like, people are like, well, how could you have joined the military and do such atrocious things? And you're like, well, if I didn't, I would gone, you know, I would have gone to jail. You believe that these people are evil. You believe mm-hmm. these people have a different lifestyle than you. And you're put in a position where it's them or you. I mean, you're pretty much in that position. It's, you know, kill him before he kills you. And again, there's a lot of innocent people who have been killed in these wars. And it's mm-hmm. And again, being a soldier, I mean, what about the guy who who has killed a lot of people and now looks back later on, you know, 10, 15 years later, because I'm a libertarian now and everything I did was wrong. Is there like, is there redemption? 
I mean, that's oh. the question you have to ask yourself. Is there redemption? What do you think? Yeah, I absolutely think there's redemption. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I, I would say that if you do... And it's a it's a really hard barrier to get over, where it's like oh this certain amount of time, especially in the military, because it becomes a culture. It's a separate culture. It becomes it a lifestyle. It is. Yeah. yeah. And you know you dedicated that huge for me. It was eight years dedicated to something that was completely immoral and wrong. Mm. And it's very hard to get over that. But once you do break over it, um, looking back, just you know you have to tell people what that organization really is. And it's just an organization that's dedicated to death and destruction, especially destruction of the family unit. Mm. Um, Mm -hmm. And it's, you know, all it is, is you're the stormtroopers for the state, man. Yeah, that's true. Heard. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I think when I I was on your show, Veterans for Voluntarism, and when I was on there, I was, I I think I remember talking about being the stormtrooper, that analogy where, uh, you know, like the stormtroopers don't know they're bad. They think that they're doing the right thing, but really they're working for the empire. And and again, like you wouldn't have that many recruits if you were, you know, trying to recruit people. You know, it's all propaganda, of course, you know, like these are evil people. We need to take them out. Look what they did to us. Blah, 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 blah. But here's the question I have. And me and you both were in the military for approximately the same amount of time. What are some of the myths you've experienced that people get wrong about the military, especially within the libertarian movement? Nice. Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I'd say the first one, the biggest one, is that everybody in the, the well, number one, everybody in the Army or Marine Corps are all infantry, and they're all doing that role, which is right. totally untrue. And it's a very small segment of the Army, at least. Um, right. The majority is support and stuff like that, which are like, you know. Pack clerks admi- and administrative. supply yeah. and logistics. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, another, um, I guess that, kind of ties into that. Another myth is that uh, everybody signs up because they're sociopaths and they just want to go murder people. That's, mm-hmm. I agree. Yeah, that's not true. That's not true either. Some people, what about free college, right? Free it's college usually, is mm-hmm. usually, yeah. I would say, a lot of it. A lot of it is yeah. for free college or like benefits later on in life. Yeah, I don't think anyone sure. thinks though, like I don't think I've met anyone who's like, I just want to kill people. I, I've never met maybe one guy and he was an <laughs> but whatever. I mean, for the the majority of people are like, I don't want to go to war. I don't want to go. I have a family. I don't want to be away from them. And these people have to deal with these struggles every day. And it's like you get paid pretty well. But uh, I think one of the issues I had was is you couldn't make plans. You know what I mean? That was like the hardest thing to do. It's like you don't own your time. You don't own anything. You don't own. Mm -hmm. You don't own. Mm -hmm. Uh, That's what I've experienced that you can't really do anything. You can't, you know. You know, block out a piece of time for, hey, next week, you, you mind if I uh, take a couple of days off or, you know, go get coffee with my friends or whatever? That doesn't happen. You can't make plans because you're constantly like, I don't know what the doing tomorrow. And wow. that was kind of the, that, that was very stressful, especially when you had a family. And I think it's really hard on a lot of people. And think of, you know, Jordan, in your experience, I mean, how, how was the military, how did that affect your marriage? And, yeah, no, and your I was family? wondering that too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so uh, this stereotype, for the most part, is relatively true. Um, is that you know it is it does destroy the family. My wife and I, when I first, so we got married like right before I enlisted for the purpose of <laughs> BAH and stuff, mm-hmm. uh, which is that the housing the housing stipend that we get. Mm-hmm. Um, so we did that, and then we'd been together for a long time before that. And uh, getting in, I didn't realize how much of a time suck it was going to be. 
and that, you know, you, you're worried about your career and you're worried about progression and the mission comes first and you're out in the field all the freaking time, especially in combat in the combat arms arena. Yeah, right. Um, and your family is, it comes in second to that. And Always. that is the majority of your life. So, you know, I didn't give her the attention all the time that I, I should have. So mm-hmm. it definitely put a lot of stress on her mind and we fought all the time. Uh, mm-hmm. At least starting off because it was a really hard transition. Uh, eventually, she came to terms with it, and it still wasn't the same. Um, there was a few times where you know the talks of divorce were in the works, really, um, or at least separation. And at the end of it, I came back to Iowa on recruiting, and I was actually thinking for some stupid reason. I think it was a financial reason that I wanted to stay in because I was a staff sergeant, I was making pretty good money. Yeah, and she flat out told me she's like if you re-enlist the next place you get stationed you're going by yourself so i was like okay i'm not gonna re-enlist wow good um, job good job you chose yeah. your family and that must have been really hard because especially when you're just trying to take care of your family and have that security of that big paycheck it's very hard to turn that down and just go back out into the world after you've been doing it for so long right oh yeah yeah for sure and it's you get used to it and all the socialist benefits that you get through the military like <laughs> socialist <laughs> benefits that's great like, yeah you know free health care and free dental and a good life insurance policy and a steady paycheck and guaranteed paycheck tax-free victory gin yeah <laughs> yeah. Hey, yeah tax-free um, tobacco too on post yeah i have that's, a, that's I a, have a question about this so uh, speaking of i mean the free stuff i mean and and the do you think that government schools and generation upon generation of statism is why young people are still enlisting because they don't have a direction. Would you encourage anyone's kids to join the military? And do you know of a concerted effort anywhere in the liberty movement to educate young people about the downsides of enlisting in the services? Goddamn, Raylene, that's a good question. Yeah. A bunch of questions. A lot, a lot of places to go with it, yeah. yeah. Now, that is an excellent question. Um, so my last three years in the Army I did in recruiting, and I spent a lot of time in these, basically what I can only describe as prisons, which are the public education system. That's right. Uh, so I spent a lot of time in there and I spent a lot of time indoctrinating people to join the military. Mm-hmm. You know, in the larger metro areas that I was working in, it was uh, very much people that had no direction. They had no purpose, really. They were, you know, they're either going to keep gangbanging and selling drugs or they're going to go into the military because college was outside of their realm financially. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I think it definitely plays a huge role, um, especially with all the uh, the status practices in the public education system is, you know, stand for the flag and recite the pledge and all this other crap. And you, you have to bow down to authority all day, every single day. And mm-hmm. you get into like, you know, gen pop, basically, of a this prison. Yeah. And you, you can't go anywhere. You can't learn the things that you want to learn or that are going to benefit your life. So, yeah, I'd say getting your kids out of public schools would be a really good step into keeping them out of foreign lands yes. voluntarily. Mm-hmm. Um, however, you know, this is kind of where I I kind of, uh, I guess, hit like a wall where it's like, yeah, you keep your kids out of the school, keep them out of the military for sure. On the other hand, um, Uncle Sam's going to get his, you know. Yeah. One way or another. One way or another, Signing up for the selective service is signing up for slavery. Yes. So, wow. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, there's, uh, I mean, the recruiters are going to do everything that they can to manipulate people to enlist and, you know, lure them in with free college and big bonuses and the reasons that I stayed in. You're like, you are the enemy. Because even like when we were in (laughs) the recruiters, it was like, that guy's a recruiter. And you're like, 
that guy. You know, because then you're yeah. like in the in a swamp somewhere, freezing your ass off, making like four hundred dollars a week. I remember that, or four hundred every two weeks. And I'm like, that guy. That guy totally lied to me. Do recruiters lie? Uh, some do. Yeah. Okay. So another myth, <laughs> I guess, if we're going to touch on the recruiting thing. Yeah, please. Uh, so when you're in the army, uh, recruiters are all staffs or they're sergeants, you know, through sergeant first class. So they're career guys and they've made a decision to stay in the army to do their 20 and get out and retire. Mm-hmm. And when you get put on recruiting one of two ways, so you volunteer for it, which is pretty much you're just sick of being in the army. You want to go do some stupid civilian job like recruiting mm-hmm. um, or two, the army selects you. So yeah, they, they send you. you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They send you an email and says, hey, congratulations, you've been selected to be a recruiter for the next three years. And then, you know, there are ways to get out of it. Um, for the most part, people just do it because it's considered to be like a broadening assignment. It's supposed to enhance your career. But all it does is take you out of your career field for three years. So it's kind of useless. But yeah, so to answer the question, the when people get in recruiting, they can opt to stay in recruiting for the remainder of their career. Um, so those guys definitely are liars, manipulators, and cheats. Yeah. I have no respect for the, the CMF of 79 Romeo, which is a career recruiter. Yes. Um, okay. And they're the guys that are really pushing the recruiters, working them until 10 o'clock at night, you know, from 6, six to 10 every day, six days a week uh, to make mission. And that's when people start to get shady and they start hiding and hiding stuff. Yes. Yeah. So some do. Uh, I, to speak on myself, my last, my last year in recruiting – I really hit the Rothbardian camp pretty hard. Huh. Um, and mm-hmm. I, for the most part, unless somebody came up to me and said, hey, Sergeant Johnson, I want to join the Army. Put me in, please. And if they have a clean pre-qualification, I'll put them in. It's my job, ultimately. But I wasn't, you know, manipulating people to stay out of the, the private sector and to go and do this stupid job. Well, yeah, that's it, there was a conflict of interest there because you found out, you know, you obviously were looking into mm-hmm. libertarianism. And you you knew like everything you're doing is wrong, and that that must have been kind of a a really kind of moral struggle on your end. Like at at a certain point in time, like you're like I'm doing something wrong, and I know it. And now all of a sudden, I'm here to recruit kids, yeah. and mm-hmm. you know put their lives yeah. in danger. And it must be kind of it must have been very difficult for you as a libertarian at that point too. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it was life. difficult, but I I had the. I guess the comfort, I signed a declination of service statement, so I, I can't get any more awards. I, cu- I couldn't re-enlist um, because my wife threw that ultimatum at me. And um, Okay. You just didn't Yeah, I just, I just kind of I just kind of <laughs> stopped and said, I'm just here so I don't get fined. My daughter was just telling me a story about this a friend of hers, and she was talking about recruiters, and he said, hey, look, some people don't choose. They make them do it. And he said, and there are recruiters out there that won't sell it. They'll just stand there. They'll say what they, they'll answer questions, but they'll basically not go out of their way to sell it. And so there are passive resistors out there in the military right now that are put into recruiting. So I, I do know that exists, right? Yes, absolutely. Yeah, there's some people who just want to do the three years of doing that stupid broadening assignment and go back to their their job Mm -hmm. um so and also you know when people start getting towards the end of their time of their recruiting tour they ultimately want to pick people that they want in their own platoons because you know you don't want some suicidal kid that's on adhd meds you know and with self-mutilation scars that you're hiding from the meps doctor you don't want them in their your platoon for sure right so i have a question regarding other people in the liberty movement and here's the thing, it's kind of a controversial thing. A lot of people 
I've had, you know, disagreements with, but at the same time, I agreed with. What I'm talking about is Arvin Vora. Um, he's a good friend of the show. I, I love Arvin. He's actually on Launchpad Media. He's been very uh, adamant about talking about the military. But at the same time, he, you know, kind of calls it the way it really is. And a lot of people don't like it. What's your thoughts on a guy like Arvin Vora, who is principled? He understands the philosophy very well. However, maybe his messaging is a little off. Uh, what's your thoughts? Yeah, on so him? that's kind of the rift that we're trying to fill in with veterans for voluntarism. Is mm-hmm. uh, so like people like Arvin is actually that's super typical, and is you know especially the anarchist groups. You know, and right. they're not wrong by any stretch of the imagination. Not wrong, but it's not it's it's no, not going to pull any new people in. You know, I mean, it will pull in mm-hmm. people that have you know want to reinforce that ideology in their own minds, but it's not pulling from the ranks. You know, the military ranks for sure. Um, I don't have anything against it well, personally. I've you know I feel the same way he does, just on a different, just a different message. Right. No, that makes sense. Uh, Rayleigh, oh go no, ahead. no. I'm sorry. Um, okay, so this is a big one. We might have to pick it up after rocket fire. But suicide, not combat, is the leading killer of U.S. troops deployed in the Middle East is what the Pentagon statistics are showing. And according to Dr. Bart Billings, a retired colonel and medical service corps officer in the U.S. Army, a surge of prescriptions since 2005, quote, coincides with the gradual increase to this day of suicides in the military. I feel there's a direct relationship. Now, the um, evidence are, what, more than 110,000 Army personnel um, are being given antidepressants, narcotics, sedatives, antipsychotics, uh, anti-anxiety drugs while on duty, their military has increased between 2005 and 2011. It's prescriptions of psychiatric drugs. 92.8% of the service members who committed suicide were male within 40% aged between 17 and 24. Antidepressants prescribed service members and veterans carry a FDA black box warning of suicidality for those younger than 25. The age range of 41% of deployed American soldiers was 18 to 24. Those prescribed antidepressants are at serious risk of suicide given the black box warning. And further, an average of 20 veterans a day committed suicide in just 2014. I would, I, I think this is really important to talk about because suicide among veterans is something that we're not talking enough about in the world and culture and media. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah. So, um, it's a, it's, I think it's fair to say that it's an epidemic with the suicide rates. Mm-hmm. Uh, we recently did an episode on this too. So it's pretty fresh in my mind. Glad you brought it up. Mm, thanks. Um, so yeah, uh, between 2005 and 2019, there's been about 6,000 veteran suicides per year in that mm-hmm. time frame, which is astronomical. It's huge. Yeah. And not all of them are directly related to like combat PTSD. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of it in, like you, you said, with the age groups, 18 to 24, you know, sometimes, and that sounds alarmingly young because it is, it is. you know, you, you got to figure that somebody that's 24 had been in the army, probably if they enlisted out of high school for about seven to eight or seven to six years. So um, right. a lot of it, what I think is related to the bureaucratic <laughs> that you have to deal with every day getting beaten down and drugged through the dirt for, you know, to make somebody's career look great. That's that way is pretty heavy on your mind. You know, I've gone to Afghanistan. I've seen a little bit of combat. Mm -hmm. I have never really been suicidal until recruiting. And okay. Okay. (laughs) That no, I've heard that before too. That is really common. I mean, recruiting, it's a civilian job, but it's 
people's yeah, heads. I mean, there's a lot of recruiters who are like, dude, that was the worst thing I've ever done in my life. Because you have quotas. Well, you have nobody's to make. free. And if you don't, your entire yeah. career yeah. is over. The, these young people are completely enslaved and and honestly broken yes. down in their brains to to be indoctrinated, to be controllable. Um, they, I mean, you went from being a child in public school who has to raise their hand at, at 17 or 18 years old to use the bathroom. And then you go into the military where you're doing something similar. Do you think that that's breaking these people? Yeah, 100%. I think that's the major contributing factor. Mm -hmm. um, and you got to figure too, uh, 6,000 deaths, which is an average per year for the last 15 years, is, uh, you know, that's not all combat arms. That's not all infantry and cavalry and special forces and so on and so forth. You know, that, yeah. that's probably actually the, that's probably like, yeah. a, you know, a uh, human resources specialist that gets screamed at every day and worked to the bone and being just being told that he's worthless yeah. and you better not get out of the army because out there, you know, you're just going to be, you're only qualified to work at McDonald's if that. So, you know, it's like, right. oh, okay, so I'm not good at this. I'm not going to be good at anything. So. Oh, my gosh. What, what do you think this stems from, though? Like, really quick, I'm, before we take our commercial break, but what do you think this stems from? Like, why the suicides? I mean, like, I, I understand, like, there is a lot of other stressors going on, but, like, why in the military is it so prevalent? Uh, than yeah, because else. the culture in the military isn't very supportive towards mental health. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, if you go to your platoon okay. sergeant, at least in an infantry unit, um, for the most part, now there are some good ones, um, but they're going to disregard it. And if they don't disregard it, they're kind of obligated to refer you to behavioral health who's going to put you on all sorts of meds. You know, I had all sorts of fellow NCOs that I knew you know, in the infantry and the field artillery, too. That were, you know, four or five deployments, you know, deep and they're on antipsychotics and yep. antidepressants and anti-anxiety meds. And, you know, when they get off of those, you know, when they get out, if they don't, you know, the VA is not effective at all. So, um, no, we can talk about that after absolutely. rocket fire. Cause I'd love to talk about yeah. the VA. That's another good topic. They, yeah, they get put on these uh, synthetic, um, psychotic medications that makes them go even more psychotic and any kind of like alternative treatment like marijuana or psilocybin is mm -hmm. not only frowned upon, but it's straight up. You'll get kicked out. Mm -hmm. That's right. That's right. And uh, I was a Mike golf for many, many years where you had to meet gazer. That's what we call them, Mike golfs where you had to do, you know, piss tests and everyone had to show up in their PTs and, yeah, they look at their dicks so to make sure they weren't cheating the system by uh, and a lot of the, the people cup. that are given these drugs, which can help people. I'm not going out there telling people to do or not do any medicines. That's for them to research and understand. But a lot of people don't realize, especially people in the military who are just trying to get help and that they're told to by their superiors that they need to, or the VA is telling them to get on these antipsychotics. The withdrawals from stopping these meds can actually be worse than the reasons they got on them. They sure. actually can double the anxiety that, that they had before they were ever on meds. They can have such extreme side effects from trying to quit that that could be also driving mm -hmm. people to suicide too. Well, another thing, one, one more mm -hmm. point I'm going to make is if you had a mental health issue in the military and you did bring it up to your E7 or your platoon sergeant or your chief or whatever, you're yep. you just can't. Yep. Hang. And that's how it was. I'm depressed. You're a suck it up, drive on. And that's how it was. And I was one of those guys. I was that who was like, suck it up, buttercup, get your rucksack and let's go. That was me. And now I'm looking back. I'm like, I was mm -hmm. and I shouldn't have done that. And I should have taken 
these people's lives into consideration. But I was part of the system. Jordan was part of the system. And this is where we're at now. Anyway, so make sure you check out America's fastest growing number one pro-liberty radio program, Free Talk Live. Free Talk Live is on how many nights per week, Raylene? Seven nights. Jesus Christ, it's awesome. On 190 plus radio stations, coast to coast, and it's pro-liberty every issue, every time. So check out freetalklive.com. Again, that's freetalklive.com. Anyway, so this is Johnny Rocket with Raylene Lightheart, always launching ideas. We're talking to Jordan Johnson, and we'll be right back after this commercial break. Rock and roll. Raylene, this is Cindy. I've decided against my better judgment to reach out to you to see if you can talk to Johnny about your awful show blast off. Speaking woman to woman, I, I know you know what I mean. Johnny's a sexist, racist, misogynist, ableist, genderist, and I, I think as a woman you should be ashamed of yourself for participating in these shenanigans. Perfect example, him playing my voicemail on your last episode, taking things out of context, trying to make me look like the crazy one. No, you people are the crazy ones. Besides, I'm pretty sure your audio guy just edited what I said anyways. Well, regardless, Raylene, if you want to talk about it, give me a call at 633-303. Goodbye. Hey, this is Blast Off with Johnny Rocket. I'm here with my real truth, Miss Raylene Lightheart. I am. We're talking what a fun to, show. Yeah, it's a really fun show. And we're talking to Jordan Johnson. Thank you so much for being here. Yeah. Veterans for Voluntarism. Thank you so much. And guess what we do here on the next segment? It's called Rocket Fire. What we do on Rocket Fire, sirs, I'm going to ask you a series of 10 questions. These questions will be politically related. And if you can answer these questions between 30 to 60 seconds, that'd be badass. Mr. Johnson, are you ready to play Rocket Fire? I'm ready. All right, here Let's we go. Question one. Is there a libertarian case for national service? Um, for I would for privatized national service, yeah. But for anything on the federal level, no. Okay, rock and roll. Question two. What do you think is the hardest thing that veterans have to face within the liberty movement? The hardest thing that veterans would face getting into libertarianism or like the liberty movement, like you said, would definitely be getting over the fact that what you did for X amount of years was not the right thing to do necessarily. Okay. Um, it might, it may have improved your life. It's going to sound corny as hell, but you know, I really don't regret enlisting because it made me the man I am today. And that's, there is some truth to that, but I think there could have been other routes I could have went to become the same man. Right on. Question three. When it comes to veteran benefits of service, should libertarians work for or against the benefit system? And what if they were injured? So for example, I'm a libertarian, but I got my leg blown off, right, in the war. What's your position on benefits for veterans who have had injuries or sustained injuries while they were in? Yeah, that's a good question, too. Um, so I don't have any kind of philosophical issue with people that they get uh, medical benefits, especially medical benefits through the VA. Okay. Um, I, I don't have any philosophical issue with them actually taking advantage of that in the event that they do actually need it. So like you said, like somebody got his leg blown off, uh, you know, the state blew his leg off. So the state should fix any complications that he had with that injury for sure. Um, but I do think that taxation is inherently evil and that wouldn't have happened if there were no taxation. And also if, even if it did and, um, everything was privately funded, there would be a more efficient model in place for that guy to get better medical care and definitely more expedient med medical care. 
rock and roll man. Question four. Would banks be unstable without government oversight? And would our currency's value be as unpredictable as Bitcoin? Uh, yeah, that's a, that's a great question. Um, yeah, I would say that without the wars for the central bank, the central bank wouldn't survive, which is why we have war. Okay. So do you think our, cur- our, our value of the currency would be unpredictable if we had private banks? Oh, no. I think it would be more predictable because there would only be so much currency and the currency would actually have some inherent value. Right on that. Question five. Do you think what happens, quote, over there happens right here at home to the poor, black, and brown? Uh, yeah, I guess, um, to an extent, I guess, you, you know, you could say that uh, due to our foreign policy, it definitely directly affected our domestic policy in terms of like the Patriot Act and stuff like that. Milita- militarized police states, Probably wouldn't have happened if we didn't have all these, you know, hardcore interventions either. Right on. Question six. What are the consequences with PTSD, moral injury, suicides, and casualties within our society? Uh, Well, I mean, the consequences are having a more unstable society in general with those issues. So, um, you know, if, if... people weren't suffering from combat-related PTSD stuff, you know, the really high suicide rate and stuff like that, mm-hmm. uh, we we would have more people and inherently we'd have better people, probably definitely more health, you know, more healthy mentally. Right on, man. physically, too. Yeah, I'm with you. Question seven. Do you think the government and the media hides the fact that we're in a constant state of war? And why do you think they would hide that information? Because most people don't even know what wars we're involved in. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well... Number one, they're definitely hiding all the proxy wars, you know, and that and they're disguising them as things that are different in the event that they do get found out. And number two, um, they're actually calling like the war, the war on terrorism, like in Afghanistan and Iraq and so on and so forth, you know, an actual act of war. And it's not a military intervention. It wasn't congressionally approved. Mm-hmm. So through the current system, yeah, it's definitely been manipulated and disguised as something else. And, you know, the term war inherently comes with some societal definition of honor and stuff like that but we're not in a war we're in military interventions which are far more sinister which yeah. don't get me war don't get me wrong war is truly sinister and it's, a, it's the worst racket of all yeah but, but what this about is something it, special. it's a police action dude it's a police action that's how exactly. they justify it all right question eight. do you think veterans should be the leaders of the anti-war movement yes and why? definitely should um because the main reason is that um, a lot of like civilians, a good example, like we talked about Arvin earlier, um, a lot of people will kind of discredit him like, oh, you weren't over there. You didn't see it. So, if, you know, if you get a large group of people that did go over there and did see it firsthand, it's mm-hmm. always impossible to discredit it as people that are inexperienced in that, that realm. Okay. Right on, man. Question nine. Would a libertarian military be more lethal than a state-run military? And if we privatized <laughs> it? Okay. Uh, yeah. Well, in a libertarian society, there wouldn't be a standing military. Per That's se. right. Right. But if you know uh, through privatized security contractors and stuff like that, they I can tell you for sure would be way more efficient at doing what the military is currently doing um, on a number of levels. They'd have better training, better equipment. They would have people that want to be there because they're not contractually op- obligated. For the most part, it is voluntarily. You know, on a like people you know. who joined would want to kill, right? <laughs> like, sure, yeah, that's yeah. The or, job. or 
Yeah, or do whatever they do, because there are private military companies out there, corporations, whatever you want to call them, like Blackwater and Triple Canopy, so on and so forth. Um, and they are really, really good at like executive production, any kind of like, you know, HVT snatch and grab type stuff. Right. Uh, being that they have special forces, special operation level training and a budget out the ass. Yeah, that's true. That's true. All right. Question 10. Would you have joined the military if you knew what you know now? Oh, that's a great question. Um, I probably wouldn't. No, um, I would. I would do something in a in a way that I could still serve people and help people because that was my ultimate goal, mm-hmm. um, and that's really what attracted me to it. So I probably would have gone a different route and definitely a more peaceful route, and something that wouldn't have drove me crazy for eight years. <laughs> right. Okay. And a bonus question: Why are there libertarians that actually support wars? Um, I don't know any real libertarians that support wars. Ah, there you go. There you go. And that's Rock and Fire. Give it up for Jordan Johnson. Excellent job. Good job, man. Good job. Anyways, that was Starting Rocket with Raylene Lightheart. Always launching ideas here at Blast Off with Jordan Johnson for veterans for voluntarism. And we'll be right back after this quick commercial break. So stick around. Rock and roll. Are those dry, boring, run-of-the-mill political talk shows putting you to sleep on your commute or at work? Are you ready for some fun? Look no further. Blast Off with Johnny Rocket is a Seattle-based podcast expressing viewpoints of free markets, voluntary exchange, badass music, wicked banner, and of course, drinking. The Blast Off doesn't shy from the truth, but always brings the party. Let's rock and roll, Raylene. Bring it on, Johnny. You can check us out at thelaunchpadmedia.com forward slash blastoff. Again, that's thelaunchpadmedia.com forward slash blastoff. Launchpad Media. Always launching ideas in your direction. Hey, this is Blast Off with Johnny Rocket. I'm here with my Ray Truth, Miss Raylene Lightheart. Bye, <laughs> Thank you, Raylene, for being here, as always. You're kind of the co-host. You're kind of important. Need you here. I'm kind of the co-host. That's a perfect description, No, no, you're not kind of. You are. You are the shit's name. I'm the super (laughs) co to the host. You are the super (laughs) co-host. By the way, Raylene, great job today, guys. I I love the show because this is something that we don't normally talk about. Libertarians don't talk about the military. And I really like what uh, Jordan's doing, especially regarding veterans. There's a lot of veterans in the liberty movement. They've been around forever. And it's kind of rare, though. You know, it's kind of rare. And we need a place for people who are, who have seen the light and have uh, awakened, who are woke. And we need this. We need a, a place for veterans to understand the ideas of liberty and to understand that there are other people out there who feel the same way they do. And so, Jordan, thank you so much for being here and and, and talking about this, because I think this is a a touchy subject for a lot of libertarians. They don't want to really discuss the idea of veterans because they're baby killers and kind of we kind of are. But it's done from the the state. There are a lot of a lot of people in in America, by the way, there's a lot of baby killers in America and different ways. And and so it's we're all a part of this statism that we and we have to break free. Wouldn't you say? I would say for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, abortion uh, clinics are definitely baby killers. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, right. They are. Yeah. They are. Yeah. Um, 
I have a a funny. I love that Johnny said woke because this is my question. I, it's a two parter, Johnny. Um, no, free fine. Break in, but, just just but, go, uh, go. I'm fine. Okay. What are your thoughts on alternative treatments for PTSD, such as MDMA, psilocybin mushrooms, EMDR therapy, etc.? And do you believe that legality influences veterans in their treatments in a negative way because they're more likely to follow unjust laws? Ooh, goddamn! Great question. Yeah. So um, I do have a lot of experience with friends that have gotten out and more or less shoved to the side by the VA. So they Mm -hmm. treated themselves the way that they could. I'd say like uh, marijuana is a great example. Um, For some people, it won't help at all. And for some people, the synthetic depressants, antidepressants and stuff like that they're given does help. Mm -hmm. Um, But it's not, you know, like a blanket or a fix all. Um, Some people would respond great to psilocybin, MDMA, marijuana. Mm-hmm. Um, and some people would have a very, very negative reaction and just really crank up their PTSD or anxiety and stuff like that. Um, and to answer the, le- the legality part, um, that is definitely a huge influence. Um, so while you're in the military, you get drug tested very, very frequently. And right. if they find any THC or any meds that you took that you don't have a prescription for through their system... Um, you're done. You're out. That's right. Uh, it's pretty much a zero tolerance policy anymore. And uh, for some, you know, that's the huge thing. Even though it is legal in how many states, you know, and it's 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 pretty gross. And um, I do know a lot of friends that smoke weed, and it helps them a lot with their PTSD. It keeps them off the booze because you know before they're self medicating with booze, which you can drink, and is actually a huge part of the culture in the that's military. That's right. That's right. Getting. Actually, a lot of people become out. I think 20% of the military right now, uh, statistic-wise, uh, are addicts, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah, for yeah. sure. And yeah, a lot of it is they turn, to, they turn to the bottle, you know, because they can, and they're not going to get their VA benefits stripped from them, and they're not going to get their career taken from them. That's right. And- if you, yeah, because if you smoke pot or do cocaine or do anything, anything, any mind-altering substance... And yep. you're, you're you're screwed. I mean, like so if you even smoke at the VA, pot, do they do they test them? Yes. Okay. Yep. Mm-hmm. They get veterans. tested. I got, I know. I know a lot of friends that get tested. For the most part, they know when they are, so they stay clean for that duration of time. Yeah. Um, but it's just the fact that they are going to turn their backs on somebody that's smoking a little bit of weed because it helps them keep their family together because they're not getting drunk every night. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Absolutely. And what's so crazy is that um, specifically. The psilocybin mushrooms, they can be microdosed. So you can do that over a long period of time and never feel the effect, the psychoactive effects in your body or um, in your mind or see anything or anything like that. Um, but over time, you can actually lessen the depression, especially if you're doing it in combination with different kinds of therapy. Uh, EMDR is about uh, rapid eye movement and freeing your the physical trauma out of your body. Um, your body holds memory. So there's some really cool stuff out there for people, which, you know, you have to investigate. That's the drug-free. So you can do that drug-free and, and all veterans can do that. If you're listening, you should look into it. Um, so regarding uh, the marijuana for the people, the people that do still smoke marijuana after they get out and things like that, uh, and then also the people being on brain meds and whatnot, what about red flag laws? Considering this is kind of sweeping, Trump's talking about it. They're doing it. They're trying. They're already working to incorporate red flag laws everywhere. Uh, we all, as ANCAPs, know this is about the disarmament 
of all of our people. Um, do you believe veterans specifically will be targeted by the government? Why? How? What are your thoughts? Yeah, they for sure will be targeted and they are currently targeted. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, there's many instances where there have been like welfare checks on veterans and they've known, hey, this is a combat experience service member. He has guns in the house and they just pretty much raided them and killed him. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah. So to answer the question, I guess uh, they definitely are targeting veterans for sure, because they know we have training to some extent. Mm -hmm. Um, They know that, you know, for, you know, some of them are relatively disenfranchised with the system that's in place. And I think it is going to be enforced through this huge registry that they have because we we were in the system. They got records of us. Right. And if you're if you have VA benefits, you name it. Yep. And if you get if you're getting VA benefits, they have your VA record and they know what meds you're going to be on. They know if you have homicidal or suicidal tendencies mm-hmm. um, and they know, you know, and especially with uh, the gun laws getting insane, they know that they're going to be armed. Well, so, here's the thing. It, it, are they the most likely to fight back? Yeah, I think um, for the most part, I think the majority probably won't. They'll probably be pretty passive, but I do know that there's a small group which would, you know, the vocal minority in this situation mm-hmm. um, would definitely, you know, when the hit shit hits the fan, they're going to click that switch. You know, mentally, we know how to get to that place and they just flip the switch and then it goes. Um, but I think the majority are going to be inherently passive and they're going to take the system for what it is. Okay. And I don't think, and I'm, I'm not advocating violence at all, um, but I am advocating some form of activism. There you go. And I'm, I'm with you. But like here in Arizona, for example, it's it's pretty it's very gun friendly, but it's not marijuana friendly. There's still like, there's legalized pot, but it has to be medical. But if you get mm-hmm. a medical ID card or a medical marijuana card, you can't buy guns anymore. Yeah. And, and that's the, and that's, that's, that's the problem uh, because now because you have to be now it's a federal thing where they check it with the federal database and all that. And again, if you have a medical ID card, here's something a lot of people don't know. And Washington is another example of this. But if uh, you have a medical marijuana card, that doesn't disclude you. Like you have, if you work for an employer and they want to check for marijuana and they don't want that marijuana or an employee with marijuana who smokes marijuana, they can fire you at any time, which I think is correct. I think that's the right thing to do. But it's the insurance companies that are doing it. It's not... The actual company, if you know what I'm talking about. It's not the actual company who is concerned about this. It's the insurance cuts and benefits they get because it's still federally illegal. So this is how they kind of people. Because I know people with cards and marijuana cards, and they just they could get fired if they actually reported it or got into an accident or whatever. They would lose their career and their lives and pretty much all of their income. So it's kind of just because of the federal uh, you know, just because it's not federally legal. Mm. Yeah, it's just drug war, you know. Yeah. And um, yeah, with red flag laws too. And you know, that's they just have the intel. And I'm talking about the police. If they only have the intel to go check on this veteran that has guns and that's PTSD, right. yeah. they're going to see that they're on a form of medication, which in this situation would be like medical marijuana or medical mushrooms. Um, so that that would be, pardon the pun, but a big red flag in their <laughs> right. mind to yeah, go yeah. and armed. To go in armed and intent on violence. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Has anyone 
written books that you'd like to talk about and to share with people, especially young people when they're doing book recommendations? Is there anything that we should point them towards specifically if they're not looking for your podcast, which I will also promote, by the way, I cannot wait. What, where would you steer them? Um, so if they are relatively familiar with libertarianism or the liberty movements, um, I would say definitely read Fool's Errand by Scott Horton. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, it's an excellent, cause not a lot of people, even if they went overseas are too privy as to where this came from and where it's headed. So that is a great book. It's excellent. It's well-written. Um, I'm an idiot and I can read it. So, um, <laughs> anybody, anybody can follow it, but I would say if they have their agnostic to politics and then these recent, you know, election fraud and stuff like that they see within politics if they're on the fringe read anatomy of the state oh, yep. that's great by murray oh, i love yep. it i love it okay uh i have two more questions and do you believe in the libertarian party you're you're a libertarian you're an anarcho-capitalist you're a hardcore rothbardian do you believe in the party and if so you know what do you think the party's there for i mean what's your thoughts on the libertarian party yeah, so I think the Libertarian Party has uh, a good platform to spread the liberty message. Um, however, I think the current state of the Libertarian Party is uh, sick. And, you know, I'll just drop his name. Nick Starwalk needs to go. <laughs> and, uh, you know, because it's just he's just a politician. He's pandering to leftists. And now it's just going to be Democrat Party 2.0. Yeah, yeah. And um, I think people, if they're, I think, getting involved with the Libertarian Party to get him out and to get somebody good in. I mean, I'm a big fan of Joshua Smith to get somebody in that actually has a firm grasp on Austrian economics. That would be a good, that'd be a great platform on the national level to get the message out. Okay. And one more, what have been some of the struggles in your personal life by being a libertarian? I've, I've had it. I'm, I'm sure I haven't gotten jobs because I'm a libertarian. I'm sure I've got, haven't gotten opportunities. I'm sure I've lost dates because I'm a libertarian. Yeah. What, what are some of the, you know, struggles that you've experienced? Uh, well, one struggle would be I've lost friends over this. Oh, really? And it's, okay. it's, it's insane how divisive politics can be mm-hmm. because, I mean, they were, you know, claiming to be libertarians, but really they're Sarwakians. So, <laughs> um, okay. you know, uh, they didn't. A good example is I got in a big fight on Facebook with a bunch of lifelong friends, like friends since I was a kid, and it was over pro-life or pro-choice, and we're just talking, and for the most part, it was civil, except for these few, and they won't talk to me anymore. So yeah, I've lost friends over it. Um, I spent a lot of time reading about it, Mm -hmm. you know, and if I didn't spend that time reading, I could be doing something else, whatever it is. Right, opportunity um, cost, right? (laughs) Yeah, but yeah, 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 it was definitely a lifestyle change for sure. You know, and now I got the podcast going, and that takes some time too. And it does, um, yeah. I do, I do love it, and this is something I'm really passionate about. So I wouldn't change it for anything. Yeah. But and who wants to be friends with? You can be friends with people from all walks of life and all different personalities, but if you don't have shared values, you're not actually friends. And that's what it, sure. it it really did put it all out in the wash, didn't it? They didn't have shared values. Yeah, and you know they weren't tolerant to anybody that's different from them. So. Good riddance, I say. Yeah, Me too. There you go. All right, Raylene, prepare for landing. Ooh, roger that, Johnny. Seat belts and shoulder harnesses. Your body, your choice. Landing gear and downward expanders. NAP initiated. Anti-state superchargers. 
defragged and woke. Landing lights and guest websites. Mr. Johnson, give us your .com, sir. Okay, so um, you can find us on Twitter. It's at V4VISM. So at, v- and the the four is the number four. So V, the number four, VISM. Uh, we are also on Facebook. You can just type in Veterans for Voluntarism. Again, four is the number four. We don't have a website, but you can find us on almost any podcatcher. Uh, we're on Stitcher, iTunes, uh, Google, and Spotify. You guys definitely need a website, and I think you guys need to grow your organization beyond just a podcast. I mean, I, I'm serious about this. I think you really should do it and get a, a Veterans for Voluntarism website. I, I really think that's important, and it's a, a way for people to reach out to you, you know, donate, be able to, uh, you know, converse with you guys because you guys have a lot of experience in the military, all three of you guys, right? What's yeah. their names again? Give us, give, drop some names down. Uh, your 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 co-host. Yeah. yeah. So uh, me and Dane started it. So it's, um, I'm not going to throw his last name out there. So it's me and him. He's a Marine Corps veteran of four years, two deployments. Um, and then my brother Jacob Johnson uh, recently came on. We got one episode out with him on, but he's going to be uh, the new regular. So and Jake was in the army at the same time as me. We deployed to the same place at the same time. He saw a little bit more action than I did because he was in the recon platoon. Right. Um, so yeah, it's, and he is not an anarchist. He's relatively minarchistic. So okay. it's a, it's a really, it's a fun, um, it's a fun dichotomy that we have going nice. on in the show. But I definitely think you guys should have a website and I think it would be a great starting point in, in, you know, educating veterans and about liberty and about the ideas of liberty and how we believe that there shouldn't be a state and how everything could be solved by markets. So Agreed. Agreed. And uh, coming around in the new year, um, we are going to have some changes for the better. And we, uh, the website's in the works, and we got some other things going on, too. Um, also, I just want to throw out to people, if you are a veteran or if you have any issues and you need to talk to somebody that is going to be free from judgment or free from referring to meds or anything crazy, uh, hit, us, hit us up on any social media platform, send a direct message, and then we can, uh, we'll, we'll get in contact with you. Dude, oh. that's, that's very cool. Very cool, yeah. man. Um, I love what you're doing. Thank you so much. I loved your answers. I agree 100%. And again, it, it was a pleasure having you on the show. And uh, you got if you got 10 minutes, man, we'd love to have you on the after party. Absolutely. I'd love to. All right. For our subscribers. Anyways, though, this is Johnny Rocket with the beautiful Raylene Lightheart. Always launching ideas here at Blast Off. Always rocking and rolling. So we'll see you next week. Rock and roll. People get on the blast off. I blast off. Yes, we're on a trip on a rugged ship. Come on, folks, me. Come on, people. Get on the blast off. Blast off. This was all to the stars. Venus and Mars. Come on, folks.